This is Nick Redding, and you're listening to PreserveCast, a podcast with a worldwide listenership that explores the broad world of preservation from every angle, from drones to mudlarking and everything in between. Now, let's get preserving. All across America, the physical evidence of slavery is being lost to the ravages of time and indifference. Without expert documentation, there's a real chance we could lose all memory and understanding of these important buildings and places. That's why Preservation Maryland is partnering with the National Center for Preservation Technology and Training to laser scan structures on Maryland's eastern shore as a part of a broader national effort, a topic we knew we had to bring to our listeners on this week's PreserveCast. This is Nicholas Redding. You're listening to PreserveCast. Today, we're excited to be joined by Jason Church, who's the chief of the Technical Services Division at the National Center for Preservation Technology and Training in Louisiana. And we're going to be talking about all things um, when it comes to their work and documentation uh, and really the interesting work that NCPTT does. Um, But before we get there, we love to get to know our guests. So where did you grow up and when did you get so interested in history? Where did this all start, Jason? Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. So, you know, I was exposed to history at a really young age. Uh, My parents were both really interested in history. My mother was an elementary school teacher. My father um, ran a textile factory, but we would take, you know, at least a month off every summer and sort of drive all over the country in our uh, van and camper and hit national parks and museums and, you know, everything from house museums and natural history museums to, you know, roadside attractions. Uh, my dad was is the worst at driving down the road and seeing the sign, oh, the biggest ball of twine. Well, we got to see that, you know. Uh, so I was always sort of exposed to it and really uh, grew up loving it. And really, um, the, the pinnacle moment for me was uh, fourth grade North Carolina history class. We had to do a project on a, a historical site of our choice, and I chose... Oakland Cemetery in Wilmington, North Carolina, where I was born. And that sort of started it for me. And I was fascinated with history, the people, the places, and uh, particularly cemeteries. And that's, you know, sort of how I got into preservation. We, my parents flipped houses uh, when I was in high school. We bought a historic house, restored it, turned it over, bought another one. And I started working with the craftspeople um, and, and really fell in love with, with doing that part. Um, my grandfather on my mother's side is a, was a Mason. And so was his father, um, and a long line of craftspeople. So I was sort of interested in that aspect as well. So there you go. I started doing preservation, went to school for it. Uh, been doing it. I've been at the, you know, NCPTT for 16 years. I was with the city of Savannah department of cemeteries before that. So it's um, obviously it's sort of it's in your blood and like so many people who come to PreserveCast, it's uh, a result of a lot of trips uh, being taken places and seen, seeing things. And now you've been um, down at the National Center um, in uh, Louisiana and, and say the city's name because I'm sure as not a local, I will screw it up. Uh, Natchitoches. Natchitoches. Of course, you just drop about a third of the letters and then you that's right and add some that don't really go there <laughs> um and you've been there 16 years so obviously and you're a chief of a division so obviously you know about sort of the background of it. a lot of people aren't as familiar with this place as they probably should be when was it founded obviously we talked about where it's located but but where in Natchitoches is it and what does it do today like what is the role of this center that people should know all about sure we're in our 25th year 
Uh, we're located, we are a full National Park Service office, so a research and training office of the National Park Service. We are located on the campus of Northwestern State University of Louisiana. Uh, so we're right on a college campus. Uh, we work a lot with the college. And, you know, we're broke up into different divisions. So we have architecture, uh, archaeology, historic landscapes, uh, materials conservation, and technical services. Um, so, you know, we, we try to hit just about every aspect of cultural heritage. And if we don't have the answer, we're going to help you find someone that does. And we do a wide variety of things. Um, we work with the National Park Service. We work with individuals, uh, nonprofits, universities, just anyone in the cultural heritage field. Um, you know, we, we, we want to try to work with them. And we do our own in-house testing. Uh, we do a lot of what we consider sort of consumer reports testing. Um, so we have six research labs filled with equipment. We have some of the only equipment uh, in the government uh, to look at various aspects of uh, conservation treatments. So we get a lot of, you know, hey, you know, good example is the VA came to us, the National Cemetery Administration and said, we want to know the best way to clean biological growth off of marble. That started a five-year study where we went out, uh, picked cemeteries in different climatic regions. We cleaned them with a variety of products. We did biological testing, sent that to Harvard Microbiological Micro Center. Uh, they gave us culture counts, and we sort of ranked it that way. And in addition, we have our own accelerated weathering uh, instruments in our lab. So we were able to accelerate the weathering of uh, marble quarried from the same places as the VA stones and treat them with the same chemicals to see any adverse effects, that sort of thing. Yeah, uh, so I think we do of you guys is the, I always think of you guys as like the, the material scientists of preservation and really uh, without and, and like, we are, yeah. without like comparison, like I, 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 you know, think of you guys as, and, 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 and I shouldn't just say guys, but, but the, the men and women of NCPTT um, as, you know, really kind of out there on the edge of it and, and sort of like, if it comes with that stamp of approval, obviously, I know it's it's difficult being a government agency saying, yes, you can do this or you can't, but the science is there. And that's how we know that things like D2 and stuff like that is, it's okay to use, right? Because there's Absolutely. certain things that have been provided by NCPTT that gives us some, some reassurance when it's hard in the field, right? When you're trying to make these decisions and you're trying to do this work and you're trying to either make money or, or balance a nonprofit budget, you don't have... Um, you know, certainly don't have a scientist on staff who can tell you that this stuff is going to work. So that's, I always think that that's a really cool component of, of what you do. And, um, and it's, and it's unique for not only the park service, but even just in the country. Uh, definitely. And, and thanks. I'm, I'm, um, you know, thanks for all the encouraging words there. It sounds like we're, our message is getting out there, but you're absolutely right. We have uh, the scientific expertise. Uh, for example, uh, we have you know, Dr. Mary Striegel, uh, who oversees the material testing division. Um, you know, we, we definitely have scientists uh, that are qualified and vetted. You know, they, they peer review and, and publish constantly. And um, we definitely have the equipment. So we we enjoy that aspect of it. Um, I really love doing the testing um, in technical services in my division. Uh, we're sort of the for hire side of it. So people can come to us and, and mostly park service, but it doesn't have to be. But, you know, we do more analysis and coding testing and uh, do, you know, paint testing to see, uh, paint analysis, pigment analysis, that sort of thing is what the technical services side does. 
And uh, we love it. It's something different every day. You never know what you're going to look at. You can get, you know, a piece off of a famous sculpture one day and, you know, you can get the, the mortar from a farmhouse, uh, you know, 18th century farmhouse the next day to analyze. So it, it keeps us on our toes. Yeah. And as more materials become historic, there's more to do, right? You got to figure out, you know, mid-century 1970s concrete. You guys will be testing shag rugs before you know it. <laughs> That's right. Um, <laughs> I remember when I was in uh, getting my MFA, uh, one of my professors, Marlboro Packard, stopped us in class one day. He said, you know, you are the generation that'll have to figure out how to conserve vinyl siding. Oh. I think he's right. You know, so there's all these uh, oh, challenges no. that are that are coming to us, I think. Yeah, I normally can embrace a pretty broad definition of preservation. Vinyl siding is going to be tough for me, but but maybe if you guys if you guys do the science and tell me it's okay, then I'll I'll follow your lead. So you've got this really cool project, and I know about it because obviously we've worked together and in, in sort of in that fee for service bit, we've raised some money to get you out to Maryland to do some of this work and matched federal dollars and stuff like that, which has been fun. Um, but it's called the Slave and Tenant Farming Houses Documentation Project. So what what is this where did it where did the inspiration for this kind of thing come from um and then maybe we'll i'll give you some follow-ups on like details and and how the program's working but like where did the inspiration for this kind of piece come come because it's it's a little different it's it's connected to the kind of thing that you do but where does documentation fit into all of this and and who dreamed this up it, it is a little different um still using technology so we're using uh, doing photogrammetry, 360 photography, and of course, laser scanning being the biggest component. So we're still, you know, we're still trying to push that edge of technology. And it really came, um, the project sort of fell on my lap and I'm really lucky to have gotten it. Um, but essentially, you know, the way some of these things just happened, we purchased uh, a laser scanner. Uh, one of my colleagues, Sarah Jackson, um, took the training, purchased it, and then uh, had the opportunity to relocate closer to her home and left us to go work for GSA. And now we had this laser scanner. And I was pretty excited about the technology. I've been doing small scale laser scanning for years of uh, small objects for uh, sort of virtual museums. So I was pretty, pretty stoked to get a hold of it and, and learn it. And, you know, really we had these small vernacular uh, houses all along the Cane River uh, here in Natchitoches where we are. And I, I was slowly over the years watching them disappear. You know, every every few summers we'd go out and there'd be a couple less. So I really wanted to try to document those before they were gone. And you know, just having taken the training, literally weeks before, I thought, well, this is something manageable. These are you know, three four hundred square foot structures. I, I can manage this. And that's really where it started. Was me going out to scan a couple, and then we brought in two U.S. Ecomos interns. Uh, who were absolutely wonderful, uh, Sukrit and Nina. And the three of us spent the summer um, documenting all the ones around the Cane River region. And through that, I discovered tenant farming, because to be honest, it wasn't something I was familiar with. And I know a lot of our listeners are going to think, you know, why didn't he know that? We, you know, it, it was just something I personally had never been exposed to. So we met some former tenant farmers, and they explained to us sort of the sort of the economic slavery that was tenant farming in some places like rural Louisiana until the late 1970s. And that was a big eye opener for me. Um, so we, you know, sort of delved into that being all the history buffs that we are and, and, and passionate people 
started reading more about it and, and learning more about it and realizing that it was a story that I just didn't see a lot of people talking about. Um, as my colleague uh, and mentor, Monica Rhodes, often says, you know, we talk about Harriet Tubman and Rosa Parks and no one in between. So learning this reconstruction history became really important, and that's where the project started. We decided, you know, hey, we did these eight here in Cane River, but they're everywhere. Let's, I ignorantly thought I could go online and sort of Google, you know, tenant houses in Louisiana, and there would be a list, or you know, slave structures in Louisiana, there'd be a list to find out it didn't really exist. You know, I found a couple great resources with people like Joby Hill's project and uh, Joe McGill's project, and that was really kind of it. So that's what made me want to do more of this and to go out and try to document as many as we could before they were gone. Um, well, that kind of takes us to uh, sort of the ambition of the program. You said document as many as you can. You did the Cane River and obviously you know, buried the lead. You've come up to Maryland and you've been in places in between. Um, what have you, what all have you documented so far? I mean, I guess maybe just like the scale of what you've done. So this project's really in its infancy. Um, we started process, we started gathering data in October and that's, uh, so October, 2020, that's, that's it. I mean, that's when we started, we've done over a hundred buildings so far and really we've done mostly Louisiana. Um, and I, I think personally, I could be wrong. I think there's more existing slave structures in Louisiana than any other state. And the reason was they were used continuously for so long. Um, a lot of the ones that we're documenting were used, you know, by the enslaved and then rolled over into the same families working as sharecropping tenant farmers, really until mechanization replaced them in the 1960s. Um, so the buildings have survived. Whereas a lot of places, um, it was a little earlier, and so the buildings have, you know, grown dilapidated and had, uh, demolition by neglect, so they weren't uh, aren't as round, around any longer. Um, I didn't realize the scale of the project. Um, you know, there's only four of us. That's myself, and then um, I have two full-time uh, architectural historians, uh, historic preservation. They both have their masters in historic preservation and undergrad in architecture. Um, Treya Charnaporti and Ina Sepeth, and they're scanning every day full time. And then Isabella Jones, who's a full time videographer on the projects, which really the three of them in the field and me finding the sites and lining up the projects. And occasionally I can get out to work with them, but it's really the three of them doing all the work. And we could run the three of them for 10 years and not hit all the structures that we're finding. And it's, it's not, you know, there are fewer park service. Uh, fewer state parks, but, you know, we're getting a lot of this, uh, you know, these are individuals that own these homes uh, that have these, you know, back in the woods. Sometimes we have to park and walk miles to get to them. Uh, roads haven't been, you know, to these structures in decades. Um, and we're finding all of them truthfully through social media. So it's a, it's an interesting sort of process and you're documenting them. And obviously you're talking about the technology piece of that in photogrammetry and um, laser scanning. Where So this is always that we, we did years ago, a conversation with the Habs folks and they kind mm -hmm. of have varying opinions on, on laser scanning um, because they worry about where that data goes and who will maintain that data. And, and absolutely. That kind of so where does your data go? Well, you know, Habs is absolutely right. And, you know, the Habs approach is the gold standard. Um, and that would be, you know, hand drawing as well as photography and history and 
uh, documenting that way. And we would love to do it that way if we could, but the reality is uh, we're sort of hitting the shotgun method. You know, we've scanned buildings on Tuesday that collapsed on Thursday. And that's, that's a real event. Um, we're getting a lot of calls by people to say, hey, I'd like for you to come document this, but can you do it next week? Because we're going to tear it down. Um, you know, harvest season's coming and I'd like to burn off these cabins. Could you come down here and scan them before we do? So we're really racing against the clock a lot of times. Um, so we're doing the scan data right now. All of that is getting backed up on our internal servers. Um, and we have, you know, duplicate servers. Um, the owners get the data back if they want it. Uh, most haven't been that interested unless it's a, you know, national park or state park. Uh, but we, we offer all the data back to the, the original owners as well. And eventually all this will go on a MP story map. So it'll all go on a park service story map sometime next year. Um, once we have, you know, a, a large data set to, to add to it. Uh, so right now we're making oral history videos. Those are going on YouTube. Uh, we're making uh, 3D models uh, that you can view on Sketchfab. Uh, and then we're making 3D walkthrough videos that are also going to YouTube. And that's sort of it for right now until we get uh, the story map set up and things like that. So we're right now, we're really just trying to focus our efforts on gathering as much data as we can really before it's gone. Yeah, it's almost like an emergency documentation operation. And, and obviously, um, you know, in terms of accessing it, um, you know, people are, will, will have the opportunity to look at the story map and, and hopefully get a, get a sense. And you can also follow you guys along on Facebook, on social media, and at least you get a sense for the places where you are. And you, know, you were just here in Maryland recently documenting sites associated with the Underground Railroad um, that could potentially be lost in, in other dwellings. Um, and um, maybe this is a good place to take a quick break and then come back and talk about where the project is headed and how people can partner. And uh, we'll do that right here on PreserveCast. We want to thank Civil War Trails, Inc. for sponsoring today's episode of PreserveCast. Civil War Trails is the world's largest open-air museum, offering over 1,350 sites across six states. Paddle to Frederick Douglass's birthplace on Maryland's eastern shore. Follow the Antietam campaign by car or bike and hike the South Mountain Battlefield. Follow Civil War Trails and create some history of your own. Visit civilwartrails.org to plan your trip today. This is Nick Redding. You're listening to PreserveCast. Today, we are joined by Jason Church, who is the chief of the Technical Services Division at the National Center for Preservation Technology and Training. We've been talking about the work of NCPTT, um, sort of this uh, gold standard of scientific research when it comes to the work of preservation and saving historic places and, and resources. Um, and we've been talking about the slave and tenant farming houses documentation project um, and the work that's been going on to do that. So are you looking for additional sites to document? And if there was a partner that wanted to get engaged, how do they, what do they need to do to bring you out? Uh, the first question, the first answer is absolutely. Um, you know, I, as I mentioned earlier, I ignorantly thought, you know, I could just Google or, or call SHPO offices and get a list and it, they just don't exist. Um, so the first and the hardest part has been finding structures. Um, and we've really done that through social media. Uh, we are really active on Instagram. So please come follow us on Instagram if you're so inclined. And a lot of the structures we have found have come to us through 
comments on Instagram where people and Facebook where people have said, hey, you know, great project. Have you scanned this site? We'll go back. Nope. Sorry, you know, hadn't heard of this site. Oh, my cousin owns it, or here's the guy who oversees it, or it's a working farm, here's the owner. And that's how we've uh, found all the sites that we've documented. We've documented some really famous sites, uh, as well as, you know, a cabin on the back 40 that, uh, you know, we had to walk a half a mile to. Um, so, yeah, we're always looking for more. Uh, if, if you know where there's one at, and it doesn't just have to be slave uh, stru- uh, a structure from the um, that was used during slavery that um, we're really interested in telling the story of tenant farming and sharecropping. So it could have been built much, much later. It's just that use. And, you know, more importantly, if there's anyone still around that was associated with it, we would love to talk to them. Uh, we're trying to gather as many oral histories as we can before that resource is lost. And we're really right, you know, racing the clock against that as well. Because most people who were, uh, you know, grew up, tenant farming are going to be in their 70s or their 80s. Um, so, you know, our time frame's closing for that as well. But we're really interested in getting their story, what it was like, what life was like, uh, both as a tenant or sharecropper and what it was like living in those uh, essentially neighborhoods, the quarters uh, where that are mostly gone. You know, most of the sites we find, there's one left where there was 20 originally or maybe 30 or more. And we're just fortunate if we can find one left as a representative example to document. So where where do you head next? And I, I suppose, is this the laying the groundwork for something that, I mean, it's, in order to do this nationally on a big scale, you, you need a lot more support. Is that is that is there a, a hope that maybe this could become something even bigger that the Park Service does? Is it just to kind of see how it would work? And, and what's next for you guys? Um, it, I think it really is sort of the pilot. Uh, I would love to see. I mean, nothing would make me happier than uh, 10 teams going out all over the country and hitting, you know, not only uh, houses, but other structures associated with tenant farming and slavery, um, you know, cotton gins and uh, mills and some of the more industrial sites that are being lost very quickly. Um, you know, all of those to document them, to be able to tell the story of those who worked in them, uh, toiled at them, you know, it's really important to us. Um, but, you know, I'd love to be able to, to just document all kinds, worker housing, mill houses, um, you know, that vernacular living structure um, has been sort of overlooked for a really long time. And I think, I think they're really important to the growth of our country and our history as, of a country as a whole. Um, so, yeah, I would love to see that. I think this is sort of the pilot project you know, obviously, with just the four of us, uh, we're bringing on some summer interns to do more oral histories. Uh, but, you know, we're never going to reach everywhere that we would love to. And we are moving. Uh, we've, you know, of course, Louisiana, and uh, we've documented several sites in Holly Springs, Mississippi, and then, of course, now on the eastern shore of Maryland, uh, some great sites that Preservation Maryland lined us up with. Um, you know, that was a really, really enjoyable trip. Uh, some really amazing historic structures uh, that we were fortunate enough to document. I mean, we we just get excited with every one of them. You know, I feel like everyone has their own story, um, and we're just fortunate to be part of its history to be able to to document it. It's it's really kind of humbling. Yeah, documentation is a, is a, it can be sort of a 
it's like a like a drug sometimes you just you <laughs> you you get this this high associated with it and getting to see these unique places and particularly the kind of work that you're doing where these are ones that many of which some of which might be on the national register but many aren't or have been completely overlooked um and feeling as if you're kind of elevating that story which is such an important aspect of the work right now um and this is this is kind of the the nitty-gritty the real hands-on of that um what's uh what, what's a good way for people to to follow this work where's the where's the best place we'll put these links in the show notes uh but you said instagram you know your facebook page where where, where should people be following ncptt you know um if, if you're interested in the project definitely check out our youtube uh we have a play you know playlist just for this project and you can hear the oral histories that we've gathered so far see the walkthrough videos that we're doing uh, but really, if you want to follow the day-to-day -day operation, it's it's Instagram. Uh, we post every day when when we're in the field. Uh, you know, Isabella Jones every day is putting out uh, photographs and reels uh, on the Instagram page. So that's that's the best place, and you can communicate with us that way as well. Uh, both they're in the field, uh, you can talk to them, and then you know, even back in the office. Uh, I'm checking it, so we're lining up new sites uh, through that way. Uh, the team leaves Sunday to head uh, to Kingsley Plantation outside of Jacksonville, Florida, uh, to document that site. I think 28 buildings at that plantation. Uh, they have uh, enslaved houses that were tabby, so that'll be really interesting. Uh, we've not documented any tabby structures yet, uh, so they'll be scanning all of those, all 22 of them, I believe. Uh, as well as the barn structures, church, uh, main house, that sort of thing. Well, it's an exciting project and definitely one that is easy to follow along with. And it'll be exciting to see the, you know, the story map and some of those results coming out soon. It's been fun talking with you. Before we go, um, normally the most difficult question we ask of people who come on the show, your favorite historic place or site? Ooh, that is a hard one. Um, a site as a whole would have to be Evergreen Plantation here in uh, Vachery, Louisiana. Uh, you have 22 um, original slave cabins uh, that are still in their original location, which is a pretty impressive thing. Usually there's one left. So you can really sort of get a sense for the quarters, for the, the neighborhood that it was. Um, that's a pretty amazing place as, as far as that. Um, the individual houses, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to, uh, there's so many that are very unique. Uh, there's one at St. Joseph Plantation that is um, one of the most interesting I've found as a center chimney and four rooms that would have been four different houses. So it's a, you know, a, a multiplex and each room backs up to the chimney at a, at a, you know, 45 degree angle and each has its own exterior door. Uh, just a really unique little structure that's just sitting out in the middle of a cane field, uh, still an active sugarcane plantation. It's been you know, just sort of orphaned out there in the middle of the, the cane field. The cane goes up to about five feet from the from the doors. Hmm. Uh, so, yeah, some really amazing ones. Uh, we feel humbled just to to be able to document them. Uh, it's it's they're really amazing to go into to think about uh, the lives that have been spent in them and sort of their history and how that's contributed to the history of our country as a whole. Well, some evocative places and a great way to end this. Um, it's it's always fascinating to talk with uh, folks like yourself and uh, thrilled to hear about the good work that you're doing uh, and looking forward to being able to spread the good news about this project and this program. Thanks so much for joining us today, Jason. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. 
Thanks for listening to PreserveCast. To dig deeper into this episode's story, head over to preservecast.org for show notes and our collection of previous episodes. Don't forget to engage with this podcast by subscribing, commenting, and leaving a review. Follow along on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at PreserveCast for even more. PreserveCast is currently recorded in Walkersville, Maryland, and sponsored by the 1772 Foundation and powered by Preservation Maryland. Thanks for listening and keep on preserving.